Today uh, begins uh, our journey in praying our way to Pentecost as this is an exciting day as a half million Nazarenes around the world, or especially in uh, the United States and Canada, are praying uh, our way towards Pentecost. And you're going to be invited, and I'll give you more instruction about what all this means at the end of the service. But today, uh, we're going to join uh, with them as we begin to prepare our hearts. And last week, we talked about preparation for cultivation. And we talked about the preparing of our soil in our own spirit about what God is doing. We talked about the rocky soil or the hardened soil, the rocky soil. We talked about the various soils and eventually the good soil. We talked about, God, what is it that you need to do in our heart and in our life to begin to prepare the soil to hear from you? And so I want to begin this morning by asking a couple of questions. And the first question is this. Do you ever get discouraged when you pray? Now be honest. Have you ever been discouraged when you've prayed? Maybe you don't feel like you've, you, you've been there and done that. Or you don't really know what to pray for. Or you've been praying an awful long time for a particular situation and it just seems like nothing is happening. Or let me ask it in a different way. Do you ever feel unmotivated to pray, or unmotivated when you're praying. Because, you know, Pastor, to be really honest with you, I have prayed about a lot of different things, and you know what? I believe in prayer, but you know, because there's the, the time lapse between my prayer and when God answers seems so many times to be so long, it's just sometimes discouraging, and I just sort of give up because I don't, I, maybe I just don't see enough action to the prayers. Or maybe we don't see the need. Well, I know prayer is important, but you know, you know what? Maybe I, I, I just don't see the need for it. Or maybe it's just as simple as I'm just too busy or I'm just too impatient to allow God to work. I think we've probably all been there at times. I think we've all been there at times when, when we've been unmotivated or we've, been, we've felt discouraged. But God certainly is working in some amazing ways. In her book, uh, Sue Monk Kidd, her book's entitled When the Heart Waits, she maintains that we are a nation of quickaholics. We have fast food restaurants. We have Jiffy Marts and Speedways. We have instant coffee, express lanes, and express mail. We can get our eyeglasses in an hour and our oil changed in 10 minutes. But the danger is that it, or the lure is that it lures us into a quick and easy relationship or feeling that that's how God sometimes is going to answer our prayer. When we pray, God moves. In Luke they were told to tarry until they received power. There's something about expectant praying that still yields fulfilled promises and power when we pray. E.M. Bounds, who is a well-known uh, author from years ago, said it this way, I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they do not wait long enough on God. They just drop down and say a few words and, and then jump up and forget it and expect God to answer them. Such praying, he says, always reminds me of the small boy ringing his neighbor's doorbell and then running away as fast as he can go. 
we sort of knock on heaven or we ring heaven's doorbell and before God has a chance to answer, we run away. If we are, on, if we are honestly and earnestly praying towards Pentecost, how then shall we be motivated? Is the soil ready? If you could discover the secret to effective prayer, would you be interested? It's this morning, we, it's, you know that it was freezing this week, and so Wendy brought in some of her plants, but it was going to rain last night, and so we put some of the plants outside, and one of the big plants that we have was next to the door outside, and it began to rain, and I was sitting in the living room having my devotions, and I could hear the rain. I said, God, thank you for the refreshing rain. Thank you for the refreshingness of your Holy Spirit. And I looked outside, and the big plant that was out there wasn't getting any rain. Oh, it was in the vicinity thereof. And so I opened the door, and I pushed the plant. That's why the plant was out a little bit farther, honey. They, I pushed the plant out so it could get some rain. Sometimes we come to church. We're in the vicinity thereof. But sometimes we need to maneuver ourselves or prepare the soil in such a way that we receive that which God would have for us even today. Our text is very familiar. It's in Matthew chapter 7, and it says these words. And I'll tell you of a couple of key words I want you to key in this morning. It goes like this. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, this is in response. Jesus is praying or preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, just prior to this, the disciples have come to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. Then he's talking about a couple of more things. And then right in the middle, he talks about effective prayer. How, how can we allow God to, to break up the soil? How do we then allow God to plant into that soil? What does it take? Well, he's going to tell us. What does it mean? Jesus is going to be using three words, maybe you've already picked up on them, about asking, seeking, and knocking. But he's going to teach us this morning about his dependence in prayer, his assurance in prayer, and his trust in prayer. Let's look at the first one, our dependence in prayer. It's about asking. Notice these words, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. There is a persistence that goes with it. Now, it's interesting in the word ask, if that's where we're starting this morning. There's a couple of ways you can interpret that word. It can simply mean to ask, to inquire, to ask a question, or it might mean to crave or to desire or to call for. This is the version that Jesus is using. It also elicits a command. There's a difference simply in inquiring about God and his will, or there's a desperately desiring what God wants to do in our lives. 
I'm going to show my prowess in my Greek language because this is what the commentary said. In the era, that's funnier than what you're giving me credit for. In one way of interpreting it, it would say as a definite command, shut the door behind you. And the intent would be do it and do it now. But the verse, but in the present imperative, the one that Jesus is using, it gives the command that one should keep on doing that. Always shut the doors behind you. Make it a way of life. Go around shutting all the doors around you. You see, prayer is not an all-out effort to change God's mind. Or is it an attempt to overcome his reluctance to do something that's as exceedingly or abundantly above all that we would ask for him? God has been waiting. He has been waiting to fill us with all the fullness of, of God and to give us the blessings for which we have prayed. But he's teaching us to depend on him. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You've probably memorized this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. You know that God already knows what you need, right? So why do we pray? So many times I wonder if God says, well, do you know what you need? I already know, God says, but do you know and do you know that I can answer the prayer that you are praying? But I'm going to answer it, which is the best way for you, according to my will and in my plans. Now, some of have used these verses of verses 7 and 8 as a type of formula for instant success. They use it sort of as a greed mentality. You've heard of a prosperity gospel. You've, you've heard it say, uh, the Bible says, well, if I ask, he's going to answer my prayer. And so he's sort of like this big bank machine. And I come to God and I pull a couple of spiritual levels and, or levers and push a couple of spiritual buttons and bingo, there's an answer to my prayer. And that's the way God should work. Some people use God as a catch-all. Well, if nothing else works well, then we'll try prayer as a last resort. It's sort of like the lady I read in one illustration who was in the hospital and overheard the doctor talking to the family about it probably would be good if they included prayer as part of the ongoing care for the mother. And the mother heard that and said, oh my, is it that serious that we have to drag God into the situation? But what we have to come to realize is this, and we do realize as we pray, is that obviously we have a real need. Not just physical needs, but spiritual needs as well. Acknowledging that we have a need focuses our attention not on us, but upon God and how he's going to help. Now, last night, I think I can share this, Wendy. Last night we were leaving the hospital, and uh, you know my mother-in-law is in the hospital, and with a with a cracked hip there, they were they had to put a couple of rods in, and and it's been a difficult week, and 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 lots of things going on there. Believe me, and and um, as we were praying, I, I I prayed for at night, but she was still fearful, and so Wendy prayed, 
was, she was still fearful, and I, and I motioned to Wendy. I said, Wendy, I think it's important that your mom pray. Because there's something about articulating those words to say, God, I can hear other people praying, and an intercessory prayer is important. Don't get me wrong here. But there's something about when we acknowledge our need, when we say, this is something I have, this is something I'm dealing with, this is something, God, I'm asking you for, I'm asking you. And I think it was important that she pray those prayers. And she smiled as we left last night. You see, it's important to pray that way. The question then becomes this. Well, when I pray... I don't get anything. It seems everything bounces off the wall and God doesn't really seem to care. So what is Jesus saying about our dependence on him? Well, there's a progression in this passage. If asking doesn't bring results, well, what does he say? One should seek over a period of time, persistently praying and waiting on God to know his will. If seeking doesn't succeed, then then we should desperately begin to knock. That suggests an earnest and intense and an urgent kind of prayer that won't be satisfied until some kind of answer comes. Do you know what I mean by praying through? That's an old time term. But so many times when we pray, we want God to jump just like this. And God's saying, I'll answer the prayer but I want you to depend on me a little closer. Uh, How serious really are you in this prayer? Do you see me as just some kind of uh, machine that answers prayer? Or do you really, are you really in love with me and really want my will in your life? And so when they're asking, sometimes God says, I'm willing to answer, but I want you to come a little deeper. Praying through sometimes says that we go the extra mile. Praying through says that we pray until the answer comes. I heard, I was reading someone said, well, how long do I pray about a situation? The answer was until the answer comes. You say, well, pastor, I've been praying for some things for a long time. Continue to pray. I know people who have prayed for lost loved ones for years. And in some cases, it wasn't until their deathbed they pray the prayer of salvation. But you know what? They got in. The answer came. It wasn't exactly the way we wanted, but God is faithful and God is, and, and, and believe me, sometimes God answers in ways that we don't always know. I know when my, when my father-in-law passed away the first year we were married, some about 30 plus years ago, he had cancer, and it was all of us. It was it moved very, very quickly, and the, our family prayed, and we had other people praying, and and we said, God, we really want you to. We, but it wasn't. God didn't answer the prayer that we thought, and that was really difficult. I watched them. I was brand new to the family, and I watched this family move in such a way, and they had questions, and they were asking God, why, why, why. And I remember my mother-in-law. And I've said this before. She said, God, you either have to heal him or you have to take him. And in three days, he died. So my question is, did God answer the prayer? Ultimately, he did heal him. Did we want him to stay here? Well, obviously, yes. And we don't always know why God does what he does. 
I want to, some people have said, you know, there's going to be an awful long line of people wanting to ask questions when we get to heaven. You know what? I certainly get that and I understand that from my perspective on this side of eternity. But I believe once we cross over and we are in the presence of God, all those questions will fade away. And we'll just worship God. Because God knows. God knows everything that we're going through. The sorrowness, the heavy loads, the accidents, the, the unfortunate things that happen, all those things God is aware of. And he invites us into a relationship with him, to journey with him. I have heard people over and over and over again, especially this year, because we've had some difficult funerals. And yet over and over and over again, I've heard people say, I don't know how people make it without Jesus. I don't know how people make it without a loving community of believers that come around and surround them and encourage them. Is it difficult? Absolutely. We don't diminish that at all. But I'm thankful that we can have a God who understands what we're going through. There's a progression. My, my, last week we talked about quitting points and how Satan knows your quitting point. If, if you have a certain amount of pain tolerance, let's say, in the, in the spiritual realm, and, and you know that when you... in the, from one to 10, if, if you're at about a 5.5 and you begin to say, okay, that's it, I'm done. Don't you think Satan will get you to 5.5? So you'll quit? Maybe God is saying, you know what? I want you to push through on the 5.5. You've been asking and seeking, but I need you to start knocking and really intervene and, and really do some things. And when we do that, we're growing in our faith towards him. It's different than begging and pleading and crying and stomping our feet. It's a formula for aggressively seeking God. So what happens when, when God answers with, or it doesn't come in the way that we think possible? That's where we need to move deeper in our prayer life. For some requests are answered by simply asking. Some requests really should ask that the, the, really what the will of the Father is. And yet there are times when it seems like the doors of heaven just seem to be closed and our earnest prayer is required. So how does that help me face the future? Because it's during these periods of time that we grow closer to God. It forces us to examine our prayers, to be creative. I would also say there are times of rest as well. There are times when I have tried to pray and it, because of the pressures of work or society or home life or whatever it may be. If I would say this, does your brain ever feel like mush? Now, that's a scientific term. And you, you just can't think. And, and, and you pray and it just seems like they bounce off the walls and you're unmotivated to do a lot of things. You know, sometimes the best cure for that, it's even scriptural is rest, is to get away. What did Jesus do with his disciples? Many times after a busy season of life, what would Jesus say? He would say, come away with me. Many times, you know, before Jesus chose the disciples, what did he do? He spent all night in prayer. He said, God, this is such an important decision. I've got to get what you want me to do. And, and, and when you pray through on it, it makes all the difference in the world to face the decision that you have to make. Because when you pray through and you know that you know, 
that you know. It's much easier to make that decision. I've oftentimes told people, when you make a major decision, I would encourage you to find a verse of Scripture to hang your hat on. Because I guarantee you, if you've got a major decision in life, if you don't have a piece of Scripture or haven't prayed through, I guarantee six months after you've made that decision, you're going to question that decision. And you're going to wonder, well, did I make the right decision? And I've had to, make, I've had to move my family several times. And I've always come back to say, God, I can go back to a verse of Scripture. When things get tough, I can say, God, you're the one that said move. You're the one that said to make that decision. I didn't necessarily know how to do it, but God, I believe enough in you that I've prayed through on that. And, and here's the verse of Scripture that I hung my hat on. And so, God, unless you're doing something different, that's what I'm sticking with. And there's an assurance that comes when God answers prayer. John Bailey says it this way, if I thought that God were going to grant me all my prayers simply for the asking, without even passing them under his own gracious review, without even bringing to bear upon them his own greater wisdom, I think that there would be very few prayers that I would dare to pray. There's an awful lot of prayers I'm glad God didn't answer but I'm glad that I came under his will. I'm glad that he allowed me to grow in that process because it's during those waiting times that we have time to think and for God to mold, for us to matter, to be held in the palm of his hands and for him to form us. You see, asking is the, is the in sincere prayer with our mind. Seeking, on the other hand, is the earnest prayer with our heart. Now, let me quickly move to number two, the assurance in prayer. Remember, the first one was keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. This one, it says, the assurance of prayer is what? For everyone who asks, receives. I will do those things. There's an assurance that when we ask, we, it will happen. You will find Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. There is a sense of an assurance, the assurance that everyone who prays, anyone who prays, if you're just asking, if you're seeking, if you're knocking, there is an answer that comes. Now we have to remember that what we're doing is we're praying and we're surrendering those things to God. You see, with all that repetition, he wants to implant in our minds the truth that we may and must confidently expect answers to our prayer. You see, it's not, it's not getting God to move to us. It's about moving us closer to God. There's an anticipation and an expectation of this prayer. The Lord wants us to believe with certainty that asking and seeking and knocking will not be in vain that there is an answer that is received and that we're finding God and opening the heart and our home for God are the certain fruits of prayer. Jesus found it necessary to repeat that over and over because he knows man's heart. How doubt and distrust towards God are natural to us and how easily we are inclined to rest in prayer as some kind of religious duty that we do without expecting an answer. 
Prayer does accomplish much. Ask and you will receive, and everyone who asks receives. When you tell someone, hey, I'll pray for you, do you pray for them? You see, it's far easier for the flesh to submit without the answer than to yield ourselves to be searched and purified by the Spirit until it's learned to pray the prayer of faith. Do not allow the experiences of your unbelief to be the measure of what your faith expects. Do we expect anything when we pray? When we're going through this next month, do you believe that God's going to do anything? Or is this just something that, in an act of futility that the church is asking us to do? Lord, give us not the object of our desire, but the substance of what we require. Dependence of our prayers, the assurance of our prayers. Keep on. You will receive. Everyone, here's the last. Trust in our prayers. Verses 9 through 11 says this. Parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, of course not. If your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, we must understand that God our Father has our best interest in mind. There is no peace until I surrender my circumstances, knowing that he will grant me only what will be ultimately good for me. There's so much that I can't see and I don't understand. An unanswered prayer is really an answer because what I ask for may not have been in his will. Either the time isn't right or what I've asked for may not be in his plans. You say, Pastor, there are things that have happened this past year that have been traumatic in my life. There are things that God allows because we are in the natural realm here on earth. If you, if you go out here and something happens, that may not be in God's perfect will, but it is in his permissive will. We have to believe and say, God, I don't understand, but I believe enough in you to trust you. Here's the thing. Many times as parents, we have to provide an answer for our children for their best interest. Jesus is saying, you people who, by the very nature, stems from evil and sin, know how to give good gifts, how much more could I, who am holy and perfect, would never deceive you and give you what is best? Let me sort of close this and bring this together. I remember a time when we were in in my first pastorate in Live Oak, Florida. We had moved from on staff with my dad that came from a very computer-oriented uh, church, uh, computer programmers, and we moved to North Florida, uh, which was a huge cultural shift. And I remember um, we didn't make a whole lot in our first pastorate. And I remember one time that I was really praying and being honest with God. And, and to be really honest with you, I was really giving God a piece of my mind. 
Didn't have much to spare, but I was doing it, okay? And he knew, and he knew that. And so he just let me talk. And when I was all done and I was praying for a job for Wendy and all the various things that go with that, I wrote it down. He said, I didn't really know how God was going to answer. But at that moment, the presence of the Holy Spirit seemed to say to me this, don't you think I want the very best for you? Don't you think I want to run right down and bless you all over? Don't you think I want you to succeed in life? But you have to understand is this, I know best. I know how you think and love and react. I know what's going to happen two and four and six months and a year from now, and little do you know it, but I'm preparing for you something that you will thank me for later. Now, that's all fine and dandy for our physical needs, and a person might say, well, then then why do I need God for my spiritual needs? Because the only way God becomes our Father is by accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. John 1 says, Christ came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God. You see, God promises an answer to the one who diligently seeks him. And many of our passionless prayers are not answered for good reasons, because it's almost as if we are asking God to care about something that we care little or nothing about. But God values persistence. And he values passion and prayer because they show that we share his heart and it shows that we care about the things that he cares about. Persistent prayer does not overcome God's stubborn reluctance. It gives glory to him. It expresses dependence on him and aligns our heart more with his. Now this morning... We're joining with 500,000 other Nazarenes. And in a minute, I'm going to show you a closing video, and I'm going to ask Aaron if you would just come to after the video just to play softly for me when you're, we're not going to sing, but just softly after the video. But I want to introduce to you something that I'm going to give you in just a few moments that you'll be able to pick up, but I want to share with you this video. Greetings. Thank you for joining your church leadership and church family in prayer today. God can literally shake the world when his people pray. In a moment, your pastor will be inviting you to participate in the half million mobilizations call to pray. As you call out to God, the spirit will move and you will be his witness. Then, in the coming days, you'll be invited to take a prayer response survey to speak what the Spirit is saying to His church, to you. This is your call to speak. The link for this prayer response has been provided to your church. As we all seek God and hear what He is saying, our plans will be in alignment with God's vision for His church. We are believing God for renewal and resurgence in our church all across the United States 
in Canada. Recall the story in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas entered Philippi under a wave of persecution. They were dogged around by a slave girl, beaten and thrown into prison for being Jewish and disrupting the business of fortune-telling. As Roman citizens, they had rights. As advocates for Christ, they were being abused. It looked like a failure. In prison chains, Paul and Silas were not silenced in defeat. They prayed and sang hymns. God upended their circumstances. In a dramatic moment, the, the earth moved, the chains fell off, the prison doors flew open. God's holy presence had been ushered in by prayer. Though free, no one wanted to leave. Their prayer-filled suffering led to an entire family's salvation. Today, we're asking you to pray for a mighty work of God, for the transformation of our circumstances. Pray for God to move the earth and shake the very foundations of our ministry together. Where we see closed doors and cultural confinement, God sees opportunity and freedom. Please take a few moments now and pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your church. Pray for the Holy Spirit's protection, direction, and revelation. Pray for the renewal of all our churches. Pray for the success of our mission together. Pray for a fresh vision and resurgence for the Church of the Nazarene in USA and Canada. You are a part of 500,000 Nazarenes in Canada and the USA joining together to pray. You are a part of a half million mobilization. Later this week, we'll have links on our website where you can see these things digitally. We have for you, I have about 150. Now, many of you, if you get the uh, Holiness Today already, have already received this back in March. And so we'll let you use that as your one to pick up. If you need an extra one, uh, don't have one or need an extra one for your spouse or your family, uh, you can pick them up. They come together uh, in a package. They'll be out in our foyer. Uh, you simply pick them up. Uh, if you're online, uh, there'll be a link later this week where you can go and click and you'll be able to get all of that online. Some of you said that you'll, you, you'll be more than willing to do that. But we hope that you'll do that this morning. My questions as we close are a couple of things. Number one, what are you praying for? I would say don't give up. There may be things that you have been praying for just immediately. Hey, something has happened. Hey, my mother-in-law went into the hospital and we've been praying. That's an immediate request. Some of you have been praying for uh, uh, a while on situations of home life or kids or whatever it may. Some of you have been praying for quite a long time over situations. I want to encourage you, don't give up. We need to stand on the faithfulness of what God said in his word. My, my, closing, two, my closing two questions are these. Going forward, what is Jesus saying to you? To you personally, as you begin to pray this out, as you begin to write in your journal, and there's a little devotional uh, in each one of those things, and you'll see there's a little devotional, a little place for you to write down. The questions we're asking is this, what is Jesus saying to you? You know, sometimes when we pray, we just immediately get right up and move on, but we don't like silence. 
We don't like being, we're not patient folks. So sometimes it's just a matter of saying, God, I, I prayed, but I'm just going to be quiet now. And I'm going to ask you to speak to my heart. The second question is this. What are you doing in response? Sometimes we don't pray because we're afraid of what God might say. Or we might be afraid of what God might ask of us. But I would say whatever God asks of you would be the best thing for you in your life. So going forward, what is Jesus saying to you? And what are you doing in response? So I would encourage you as you go today to pick up one of these things and each week our emphasis will be on prayer. We're praying that God will do some mighty things in the coming days and that we're expecting God that he will. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray a prayer over us as we move forward, as we're going forward to this, as we're praying our way to Pentecost. I hope you'll join us today in the next coming months, next coming weeks, that God will use your prayers and my prayers together to accomplish great things. Father, this morning, we're off on a journey, so we're taking your hand. We don't know exactly what that means, but God, we trust in you. And when we hold on to your hand, we're asking you to lead us and guide us. You want to do that. You want us to pray. Your desire is some for us to do that. You love us enough that you want intimate conversation. God, if we don't know how to pray this morning, it's like, it's like sitting across the table. I tell people all the time, God, it's like sitting across the table and having a cup of coffee. So Lord, this morning, as you speak to our hearts, may we be in tune because some of our prayers are going to be simply for asking. Some are going to be seeking. Some are going to, they're going to, they're going to take some required diligence and faith in knocking on heaven's door. But God, you said you would answer. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for your blessing. As we go from this place, may we be your people to accomplish your plans in your timetable. Help us, Lord, to do all that we can for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God bless you today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us online. Again, uh, our annual elections, if you haven't voted, please do so. If you haven't picked up one of these uh, this morning as you leave, please do so. Thank you again. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.